Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Chris Perkins' favorite podcast. This is, of course, The List. My name is Brett, and as always, on the other end of the tin cannon string is Jordan. Jordan, how are you doing today? Oh, I just got done in our pregame running around the locker room naked, so I'm ready to go. All righty. That sounds like a uh, ho- very Hawaiian way to get ready for a game, if you guys get the get the reference. And, of course, as always, producing is the infamous Zach Jackson. Now, Jordan, as we all know, this is our picks episode. But before we get into that, from Finn Heaven, the biggest Dolphins forum on the internet, we do have a couple questions, and we are very appreciative of these questions. So, there's three this week. Hopefully, we'll have a little more as we keep going on. But the first question is, we were asked to name if there were any, if there were at least five tacklers, if any, better than Cater Kahu on the defense. Uh, Jordan, I think Javon Holland may be on that list. Aside from that, I really don't know if there's many others on the list. Maybe David Long. Um, as good as this defense is getting, I don't really think of them as the greatest tacklers. Yeah, we don't have a team of, of excellent tacklers. When the question came up, the first name that definitely came to mind uh, was Javon Holland. Um, Cater is obviously great, um, but I think that tackling and getting in there um, and creating havoc is one of the things Javon Holland does really well. Um, are there five on the defense? I'm not really sure. Um, David Long is probably up there. Wilkins is probably up there. Um, Someone like Zach for you? Wheeler. Yeah, go ahead. Is uh, Justin Bethel maybe? Uh, Justin Bethel, yeah, he he does a lot on special teams. Um, but Cater to me, I mean, at this point right now, if you're ranking the the top five guys that you want to make a tackle, uh, Cater's definitely in that grouping. Yeah, and I don't know if that's as much of a compliment for Cater or an insult toward the linebacking core. I'll go with. It's a positive week. Uh, I think the Dolphins just scored another touchdown, but so we're going to keep this as a, a positive and a compliment towards Cater. Um, another question that came up, and I think this is a much easier question. Uh, if everybody is healthy, which players would get either cut or placed on the practice squad? Uh, Jordan, this was easy for me. Chris Brooks did a practice squad when Jeff Wilson is healthy, and when Jalen Ramsey is healthy, Eli Apple gets cut. Yeah, I think Eli Apple definitely gets cut. I think that's the easy one. Um, like you said on our show earlier in the week, Perry Nickerson um, has played well and has a lot of speed um, on the outside there. Uh, and Justin Bethel, uh, obviously you just put him in one of our top five tacklers on the team, so you think highly of Bethel, and he's, I think, our best special teams player um, on the kickoff team. Uh, but, yeah, Chris Brooks, I mean, if if he keeps looking the way he's looking – uh, you might have to have a conversation about either moving Jeff Wilson um, or stashing him and praying that nobody picks him up. But I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Brooks uh, goes down to the practice squad and somebody scoops him from us. Yeah. And aside from that, I really can't think of many other people that I would get rid of. Um, I think we're pretty much set. Um, I'm not even... I don't even have the roster in front of me, but I think Ramsey and Wilson are the only two that really make a huge difference. Um, of course, unless you want to talk about Craycraft, because it does sound like, unfortunately, Craycraft may be out for a couple weeks, at which point he's on the he's on the roster and Robbie Chosen's back to the practice squad. Yeah, um, I think that Craycraft injury definitely opened up 
uh, a spot there for uh, those receivers to kind of stick around. We talked about how Cedric Wilson um, is, has been great blocking. Chosen obviously had the long reception. Um, but other than that, I mean, the, the roster is pretty much set. Um, a, a serious injury will obviously cause an add to the roster. Um, but we have one of the best rosters in football right now. Uh, so there are not many moves to make for once. I feel like we're always, as Dolphin fans, in Fin Heaven, on the Discord, we're always talking about, oh, let's make this move. Oh, let's make that move. Oh, we need to add a piece here. Oh, we need to add a piece there. Uh, but right now, we're not really in that slot. Right now, we can just uh, focus on having fun and winning football games. And, of course, speaking of people to add, we were asked about potential trade targets. Uh, don't worry, everybody. We will talk about that as we get close to the deadline. It is still a little too early. Uh, yes, we know what teams are really bad, but there are some teams who are still kind of in that murky water. So as we get close to the deadline, which is the end of October, Jordan and I will elaborate and make a list of people to potentially look at making a move for. Uh, nobody who will cost a first-round pick. And Jordan, I don't know about you. Two years without a first-round pick is enough for me. I, I don't need to go another year without a first-round pick. Yeah, the people that know me well know that the NFL draft is one of my favorite days of the year. Um, so I was getting texts on the last couple draft days. Are you okay? What are you doing? How's it going? Not being able to pick. Um, and I'm excited to mock it up later in the year um, and start looking at who we're going to be able to add to the roster come April. Yep, and just for a teaser, even though that's months away, I am heavily looking at linebackers, and there's about three or four that I cannot wait, at least right now, that I cannot wait to discuss about as we get closer to the draft. Um, but on to everybody's favorite topics, the picks. Gordon, you beat me in college this week. I made a big comeback in NFL, and we are very close on records. You went 3-2 and two in college. I went 2-3 and three in college. But I went 5-1 and one with my NFL picks. You went 2-4. and four. You lead the overall series with a record of 18 and 12 while I am seven and 17 and 13. You really went with a high pitch, happy way of saying that I'm still beating you. You, you are. And, but I'm happy after you had such a big lead. I'm so happy to be uh, even close as everybody knows, or should know by now, we're going to start with college four picks and then a wild card. And then we're going to go NFL as well as talk about the dolphins. So Jordan, I was looking over the college games after last week, which had such an amazing slate, I don't know about you, but these games this week suck. Yeah, it's definitely it can't live up to next week or to last week. Uh, but there are some good games, and I think we're going to pick some good games and talk about them. Um, but it's definitely not last week's slate, that's for sure. So I put up the I put the lineup up for us, and what I tried to do to keep it interesting is look at ranked opponents and the first game we're going to look at is actually a friday night game pack 12 after dark enjoy that while you can because that's not going to be around much longer number 10 utah traveling to number 19 oregon state now, oregon state i turned off that oregon state washington state game pretty early because it looked like wazoo was just destroying the beavers i saw it end up being a field goal victory for washington state so i was shocked to see that uh oregon state their head coach is a former starter for them. Came into Corvallis as a probably a bottom three school in the Power Five, if not all of FBS, when he took over, and has made them into a legit bowl contender. Potentially, well, maybe not. Maybe a dark horse Big Twelve team, uh, championship team. They very improved team get better every year. This year, of course, they are led by or uh, Clemson transfer. Excuse me, DJ Ugalele. 
who I expected big things at Clemson. He was a bit of, to be like, a bust. He's, he's found himself with Oregon State. He has 12 total touchdowns right now. Uh, most of them underground, it looks like. Him, Damian Martinez, and Deshaun Fenwick as a trio of runners has been carrying the Beavers early. They have 12 rushing touchdowns this year. Uh, the, U- Utes, the Utes of Utah are winning with defense, Jordan. They only have three passing touchdowns this year. Now, granted, their star quarterback, Cameron Rising, has been out since tearing his ACL. I did check to see if he's playing this weekend. It looks like as of this week, he is still splitting uh, snaps in practice, so it's still up in the air. Since he's not, it's not sure if he is playing yet, and even if he does play, he's not going to be at 100%. Since this game is in Corvallis, I'm picking Oregon State to win by 10 points. I'm so glad that you tried to say the Oregon State quarterback's name so I didn't have to. Um, I just call I think him ukulele got, most of the time. Yeah, yeah ukulele. Um, but I think there's a ung in there. I think it's like Yui Ungale or, or something like that. Um, but anyways, uh, I don't think that Utah um, – obviously everybody says Utah's winning by defense. Um, that's actually literal because I picked UCLA last week. Uh, and if it wasn't for a pick six right at right at the beginning of the game, I think it might have even been the first play of the game uh, for UCLA. Without that, it's a 7-7 game late, and I think UCLA has the ball late and plays that a little differently with it being 7-7, and I think if it wasn't for the pick six in the first play of the game, Utah loses. I don't think they can score enough uh, to beat Oregon State at Oregon State. Uh, I think Oregon State is a much, much better team right now than UCLA. Uh, Oregon State and Washington State. I know they're obviously uh, the two of the only pack whatever teams uh, left, uh, but they're one of the best ones and one of the more underrated teams in the conference. Uh, we'll talk about Washington State a little later um, in another one of our segments, but I think that Oregon State and Washington State uh, are two teams that are, are going to play in serious bowl games at the end of the year. I'm in Washington State has a couple really big games that the game falls their way. Um, one of USC, Washington, or Washington State could end up sneaking their way into the playoff. Um, with that, Utah beat a not-so-great UCLA team. Oregon State had a ferocious comeback, almost beat Washington State at Washington State. Uh, Friday night game, I always kind of tend to favor the home team. Uh, Oregon State wins by two scores. Okay, there you have it. Uh, next game, somewhat of a surprising uh, matchup of ranked opponents is number 24, Kansas, travels to number three, Texas. Um, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I have Texas winning by four touchdowns. It is worth mentioning, though, that Lance Leopold is a program-building specialist. He took over at Division Three Wisconsin-Whitewater, turned them into a powerhouse, got hired by an awful University of Buffalo team, turned them into a very consistent contender for the MAC championship. And then he took over a Kansas team that was in disarray. Well, they were always in disarray, but then you have the sanctions during Les Miles' time there. So it's been a very tough build. Jalen Daniels is having a good year at quarterback. Five touchdowns, one interception. Three of those to wide receiver Luke Grimm. But they win with their running game. Devin Neal and Daniel Hishaw, eight touchdowns combined. They really haven't played anybody. They played a bad Indiana team, and then they 
depending on who you ask, had a bit of a surprising win against BYU. Admittedly, I don't know. The reason I say who you you ask is I don't really know enough about how what is expected of BYU this year. They seem either up or down. Um, You look at Texas, you have three players who we've talked about before who are first or second round picks at worst in Quinn Ewers, Jatavian Sanders, and Xavier Worthy. Plus, you have other very skilled players in Jonathan Brooks, Adonia Mitchell, and Jordan Whittingham. And the game's in Austin. Kansas is a nice story. It's cool that they're starting, that they start the season off undefeated. But they're not hanging with Texas. I actually think this game might be a little closer than the experts think, uh, so to speak. I think that Kansas is a very underrated team for the second consecutive year. Um, I've watched a decent amount of Kansas football and I don't know why I've watched a decent amount of Kansas football. Um, but I think they're a tougher team than, than some may think. And I think they're going to hang around with Texas early. I think Texas is going to win the game. Like you said, I'm not going to beat around the bush. Uh, if this game was in Kansas, I would probably be talking more about a Kansas upset. Um, but I think the Texas offense is too much. Um, and I think that Texas, uh, is setting themselves up. Uh, for that Oklahoma game next week uh, to be their case at a playoff spot. And I don't think that they're going to slip up here against Kansas. I think it's a look-ahead game. I think that it's a a game that they might um, fall into a little bit of a trap, which is why I think it's closer than the experts think. I think Texas wins by two scores. Kansas covers. Texas wins. So, so far we're agreeing I told you this wasn't the most exciting exciting slate of college games. The third game is one we might disagree on. I doubt it, but this is the first one I kind of have questions on. Is number 13 LSU travels to Oxford to take on number 20 Ole Miss. Um, I learned my lesson last week. Don't bet on Ole Miss in, in games against ranked opponents. Now, granted, that was traveling to Tuscaloosa. Going to Oxford is going to be a little different. Uh, but LSU is led by Jane Daniels, who is having an amazing year at quarterback. 12 touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, most of those are going to a duo of wide receivers who are really good, Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Jr. 10 touchdowns between them. They are both averaging over 16 yards a catch. Of course, they have their main running back is Logan Diggs, but you also see Noah Kane, Josh Williams, and Caleb Jackson get carries as well. And as a Dolphins fan, I would be amiss if I didn't give a shout-out to Mason Taylor at tight end, who is the son of Miami Dolphins Hall of Famer and legend Mason Taylor. Uh, Ole Miss we talked about before, aside from Trey Harris, the wide receivers aren't getting touchdowns. They He has five touchdowns on eight receptions. I think the other wide receivers combined have two. This is going to be a game where Ole Miss relies on the running game. Is that going to be enough to keep LSU off the field, basically shorten the game up and give them as few as few chances to score as possible? Uh, but as we've seen with the Dolphins, when you have that type of skill at the receiver's position, you don't need a lot of time. I don't think Ole Miss is talented enough to keep LSU off the field, and I just don't think they're explosive enough offensively keep up with them when they need to score i do have lsu winning by two touchdowns do you realize that you made your first slip up of the day probably did 
you, I believe, and people can go back and tell me if I'm right or wrong, but I'm pretty sure you called Mason Taylor the son of Mason Taylor. Mason, Jason, it all sounds the same. Yeah, it's okay. One's an M, one's a J. Um, but this is actually going to be the first game we disagree on. Um, I think that a lot of people are going to think that LSU is going to win this game. Uh, LSU uh, went to Mississippi State. I believe that was last week. Um, all these weeks are <laughs> we've made a lot of picks at this point. It's already jumbling together. Um, I, LSU looked great on the road. Ole Miss didn't look that good on the road. Um, but I think this is a bounce back game for Ole Miss. I think this is going to be a game where their defense is going to step up um, and make some big stops. Uh, for there, there's just something about LSU that I don't see them like last year's team, um, and I don't see them, or I don't see them living up to the standards uh, that they should have had after last year. Um, I think that Ole Miss wins this game. I think Ole Miss wins this game, and it's very close. Uh, I'll say they win by six. And their defense makes a big stop at the end to hold serve. I will say this. Uh, I did say that we'd probably disagree on this. In support of Ole Miss, their big wins tend to be at home. And LSU's always good for one just weird lossy year. They have always been like that. Even back to, I think, the Nick Saban years, which goes 20 years. So this is the type of game that they would normally lose. Uh, moving on to a game that I think has a chance to be interesting or a blowout. No in between is 11 Notre Dame visiting number 17 Duke. Uh, as most people know, Notre Dame lost on the last play of the game against Ohio State when they only had 10 players on defense. So a heartbreaking way to lose. And uh, Mike Elko, the head coach for Duke, is the former Notre Dame defensive coordinator. Uh, Jordan, I hear Riley Leonard, who is the co- quarterback, excuse me, for Duke, get a lot of love. So I decided to look up his stats. Do you know how many passing touchdowns he has this year? Probably not many. Let me guess. Five? Two. Two. Two, yes. Duke, on the oh. other side, Duke has 15 rushing touchdowns. Jordan Waters has seven. Leonard himself has four. And then Jaquez Moore has two. They are a very well-coached team under Elko, but they aren't winning through the pass. They are winning by running the ball. Notre Dame has a great defense. As we saw, they shut down two very explosive wide receivers last weekend. I have Notre Dame winning by 17 because I just think there is too much firepower. But I do think there is a chance it could be closer than that. I just don't think Duke has the horses. And people can say, yes, they beat Clemson. I think it's turning out that we're seeing that Clemson is just not that good this year. So I think that the the stats you read, while I like them, um, are a little deceiving. Because if you go back and look, uh, in 13 games last year, uh, Riley Leonard threw for 20 touchdowns. He had a 64% completion percentage. He threw for almost 3,000 yards. I think to this point, Duke hasn't had to throw the ball. Um, I think that they play through their quarterback. Uh, and I honestly, and you're going to take this as a surprise, but Duke is my pick of the week. Um, oh, looking at this, looking at this slate, both college and NFL, um, I think Duke wins this game outright. Um, I believe game day is at Duke. Am I right? I believe you're right. 
uh, game days at Duke, and that always gives the fans an extra boost. Um, Clemson coming off that re- – I'm sorry, Notre Dame coming off that really tough loss last week. When ironically I said last week uh, that Notre Dame was my pick of the week last week. Um, and luckily it was a push. They lost by three um, in the points where it matters. Um, but I think this week uh, Notre Dame definitely has a letdown. Um, I think that finding out that Al Golden was the defensive coordinator for Notre Dame uh, kind of – and then seeing what he did at the end of that game uh, made me chuckle and made me find it ironic that I thought that uh, Notre Dame was good. Um, I think that they played way too conservative in the Ohio State game, and I don't see their game necessarily changing. Um, and I think Duke is a team, and I picked them against Clemson. I love them against Clemson. I saw them up close and personal when they played UCF in the bowl game last year. I think that Duke is really going to surprise people the more and more they watch them. They are so well coached and they are so physical. I think Mike Elko is a guy that's going to get a big time college football job uh, in the next couple cycles, maybe not next cycle, but in the next three cycles, you're going to see Mike Elko get a really big job. Um, And I think Duke wins this game outright. Uh, to continue their their magical run. And you might even see them come near the top 10 with wins over Clemson and Notre Dame. That is a very surprising pick, but I, I do like it. And talking about Mike Elko, before you said, I was just going to ask if you think he's gonna, how long you think he's going to be at Duke. And just to give you an idea, Michigan State just outright announced that today the firing of Mel Tucker with cause. Team in disarray, who has their long-time history and identity based around defense. Mike Elko, as a, as a Michigan fan, I don't want to see this, but Mike Elko to Michigan State might be something to help turn that program around. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that's from the Northeast. Um, obviously, everything he's done has come on the, the defensive side of the ball, um, and that, that would be a decent fit. Um, I would also look um, eventually when a guy like – Saban leaves and I think that Alabama for years and years have been targeting Dabo as the replacement to um, Saban I think that's an unkept secret in college football Uh, I think Clemson's a place that would make a lot of sense for Mike Elko ironically them trying to take a guy from Duke that's had success in the ACC Um, and I could also see a team in the SEC uh, taking a chance at Mike Elko because defensive minded coaches um, look at Kirby Smart, look at Nick Saban, uh, are what wins in college football. Yeah, he's definitely a name to watch. Um, I would say Northwestern because they have an opening, but Northwestern's not exactly a promotion from Duke, so forget Yeah, I don't, forget I don't necessarily think he would leave Duke to go to Northwestern. I don't either, so I stopped myself. Now for the fun one. I'm curious to see what game you picked. Um, I wanted to talk about Michigan some more, but I'm not talking about Michigan-Nebraska. Um, I just don't want to do that. I want to get out of my comfort zone. So I am taking a game that I think could be a beautiful disaster or just a disaster. That is South Carolina taking on Tennessee. Gordon, can you name two more inconsistent quarterbacks than Spencer Rattler and Joe Milton? Um, Russell Wilson and Justin Herbert, according to anybody that likes to talk shit about the Dolphins. True, but how about in college? Uh, absolutely not. They're either going to look like top five picks or they're going to look comp- 
completely untouchable for XFL teams. I'm here for it because you have a team that is helter-skelter in Tennessee with how, how fast they want to play, and then you have a team is a spread, but they're trying to be a power team in, in the Gamecocks. Xavier Leggett for, or Leggett, I don't know how to pronounce that. What else is new? Is the top receiver for South Carolina. He's averaging over 20 yards per catch, but most of their touchdowns come from their running back, uh, Karen Joyner. Now, the thing with that is while he scored four touchdowns, he is under three yards per carry. Uh, Tennessee, it's not the same Tennessee team as last year. Jalen Hyatt's gone. Hendon Hooker's gone. They're scoring most of their touchdowns on the ground. Ten, ten touchdowns between Milton, Jalen Wright, Jabari Small, and Dylan Sampson. Be, well, I, I put down who, which team makes the mistake first. I'm going to say which, which team makes the last mistake because you know this game is just going to be ugly and both teams are going to be making a lot of mistakes. I'm here for it. I'm here for the disaster class, as they call it. I'm having the Bulls win by three. I just want to see how, how much of a meme this game is. Right. Why do you do this every week? And you make me, people are going to start thinking that this is how we've set this up. Why do you always pick games with double digit spreads? I just go for what I look at the schedule and I think of what game looks interesting to talk about. What game looks interesting or what game is the easiest game to pick? Because last be honest, week you talked about how Iowa was going to stay up in the game with Penn State. Honestly, I don't look at the spreads, so that's my excuse. I don't know what the spreads are before looking at them. All right, so since you're continuing your trend of picking games where teams are heavily favored, I'm going to continue my trend of picking teams that are underdogs. I actually have six games written down here. I'm going to give you my fast five. All of these are favorites in honor of you, and then I'm going to give you the underdog that I'm actually picking straight up for my pick. So my five favorites are UCF minus 11 and a half. It's their first Big Te- Big 12 home game playing Baylor, who's looked horrible this year. I think the Knights win by three or four scores. I think JMU uh, wins at home. Um, I think Boston College wins at home. I think Maryland beats Indiana by 14. Um, and I like Georgia State at home minus one against Troy. Um, but my pick of the week um, and where I'm going with this uh, is going to be the Syracuse Orange upsetting Clemson at home. Um, Syracuse is 4-0. They're very tough to beat. Their quarterback, Schrader, is a dual-threat quarterback. He's their leading passer. He's their leading rusher. I think Clemson is reeling right now. There's something weird about that football team that I just can't get over. I've picked against them almost every time we've made a pick. I had FSU last week. I had Duke earlier in the season. Um, and I have Syracuse this week. I think the fact that Syracuse is plus six and a half is disrespectful to Syracuse. Um, I think that that line could probably be much closer to three, um, if not even closer than that. I think Syracuse, like Duke, is a very underrated football team because of the name of their school. Um, I think they're tough. I think they're physical. Um, I think Dino Babers has a great team over there. Um, that he's coaching up very, very well. Um, and I think that Syracuse goes in um, and wins this game. Syracuse, uh, they have the right attitude of guys. They have guys that like to play together. 
I mean, I, I don't think you see the same thing on the Clemson side of the field. Um, I think Clemson looks like a team where the breaks are about to fall off a little bit. Um, and it's not going to come back together in this game on the road in a tough environment with a rocking crowd. I take Syracuse not only plus six and a half, but Syracuse to win the game straight up. And talking to Dino Babers, he's a guy I've long respected as a coach, uh, going back to when he was at Bowling Green. I'm surprised he's been at Syracuse as long as he has. Uh, this might be the year he also gets a bit of a promotion. Just would be curious what the opportunity would be. question for him has always been if he can get the defensive side of the ball right, which has been hit or miss. Um, but just to recap, we both agreed on Oregon State beating Utah. We both agreed on Texas beating Kansas State, or Kansas, not Kansas State. I picked LSU, you picked Ole Miss, I picked Notre Dame, you picked Duke. My wild cards is Tennessee over South Carolina, and your wild card is Syracuse over Clemson. And I will tell everybody when it comes to college, follow Jordan's picks, you will make some good money, do not follow my picks. <laughs> now for the second week in a row, we are going to look at our Heisman list. And uh, Jordan, I'm going to be honest, I did take a bit of an overreaction and <laughs> I'd say last, so. Yeah, last week I had Shadur Sanders as the favorite. After that game, I think what I think is going to happen against USC. I don't have Shadur Sanders in my top five. In fact, yeah, I don't I have, have him. I don't have him in my top five either. And I told you that Clemson is going to go in a little bit of a a lull. They're going to lose a bunch of games, and there's no way. Bleacher Report put out an article today with I think it was like 25 guys that or 20 guys that could potentially make a case, and Sanders wasn't even one of their 20. Yeah. I actually have two new names in my top five. So much like last week, I'm going to start at five and work my way up. Five, I kept Sam, uh, Sam Hartman there. Yes, Notre Dame lost, but he still has 14 touchdowns, still putting up big numbers. That's a bit of a blemish. But his numbers are still good enough, and Notre Dame has that cachet where I don't. Th I think it's too early to remove him. Now, if you're right and Duke does beat Notre Dame, then he's he's out of the running. He's out. I'm telling everybody that right now. At number four is a new name. I put Jaden Daniels, the LSU quarterback. Twelve touchdowns, two interceptions, seventy-two percent completion percentage. Yes, LSU has that one loss, but he's been on a tear, and I. I think, without looking at the schedule, I think he's going to lead LSU to an SEC championship game. It's going to be tough to keep him out of the top five in that case. Number three is another new name. Cameron Ward from Washington State. 13 touchdowns, zero interceptions, 74.6 completion percentage. Has Wazoo undefeated. And again, looking at the schedule, there's very few games they have a... Shot chance of losing. There, there are a couple later in the season, but he's putting up ridiculous numbers. He's a former FCS competitor from Incarnate World, and yes, that is a real school. It's out of Texas, but he's currently my number. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Incarnate World is not a good. Is not a real school. Incarnate Ward is a real school. You can continue. That too. True. Fair enough. Um, number two on the list is Michael Penix Jr. Nothing to say. He's having an amazing season, and he continued to have an amazing season. And number one, as much as I don't think there will be a repeat Heisman winner, I have Caleb Williams. 
Yeah, I think that Caleb Williams um, is really the um, heavy favorite. And I was shocked uh, to see that um, Michael Penix is actually, I believe, slightly a favorite uh, in Vegas to win the Heisman. Uh, That's surprising to me. My list, uh, again, we have very, very similar players. I'm a little upset that you got to go first um, and got to talk about Cameron Ward. Um, But I'll run through this fast. I actually took Sam Hartman off my list. Um, I think that, number one, I already have them losing to Duke this week. Number two, after watching them really in-depth this week, they were way too conservative in a big game for me to make him a Heisman hopeful. Um, I think Sam Hartman's a guy on this Notre Dame team that'll have big games in games they're supposed to win, um, but they're going to go to run the ball more in games against big teams. Uh, And I think that that's kind of not the recipe you want for a Heisman contender or even a top five. Um, I also, I had Bo Nix on my list um, and took him off uh, simply because Oregon plays at Washington, then they play Washington State, then they play at Utah, then they play USC, then they play Oregon State, and all five of those games are toss-ups. Now, if Oregon makes a run and wins all of those games, you might see Bo Nix jump into the top three, top two. Um, but I just don't see them escaping all of that. So I see it very difficult for Bo Nix um, to get kind of into this category. So my five guys, I have Jordan Travis, number five. Um, I think that the Florida State schedule sets up very nicely. Um, they play, I mean, Virginia Tech, he's going to have a big game. Syracuse at home, he'll be able to make a big statement. That'll be a high-scoring game. Duke will be a high-scoring game. He'll kill Wake Forest. He'll kill Pitt. The Miami game will be a high-scoring game. The Florida game will be a high-scoring game. So he'll have an opportunity to put up good stats. Um, I have Jordan Travis, number five. Uh, I have Quinn Ewers, number four. I think their schedule sets up even better. I think after they beat Kansas this week, after they have an absolute shootout, that'll be one of the highest-scoring games next week between Oklahoma and Kansas or Oklahoma and Texas. They play Houston, BYU, Kansas State, TCU, Iowa State, Texas Tech. Brett, do you know what all those teams, again, Houston, BYU, Kansas State, TCU, Iowa State, Texas Tech, what they all have in common? Uh, My guess is they play Big 12 defense, which means they play no defense. That and they are unranked currently. So Texas is going to have a real opportunity. They're already number three. And to me, the best player on a team that's going to be making playoff contention, um, it deserves an opportunity to be right there. But if they lose any of those games, I think you could see a guy like Bo Nick no. jump Quinn Ewers. But right now, I don't see Texas losing a game. So I think Quinn Ewers is number four. You said it. Cameron Ward is number three. Uh, Cameron Ward is um, a superstar, and I would not be surprised if he jumps up to number two. Um, after I made my list and after we discussed it last week, I actually had somebody I'm very close with tell me before the game last week that I should have had Cameron Ward in my top five, and I kind of chuckled, and then I watched the game, and uh, it's obvious to anybody that listens to this, I watch a decent amount of college football. Cameron Ward is damn, damn good. And Washington State is an energetic fly-around team. 
Um, and if they continue to play the style that they're playing right now, Cameron Ward will end up number three. But I think a lot like what I said last week, the three, four, and five guys are very interchangeable um, and are going to depend on team success more than player success. And my number one and number two didn't change from last week. I had Penix two, Williams one. I'm glad you finally saw it my way. Um, I think Caleb Williams, again, just like I said last week, is the closest thing we've seen in college football to what Patrick Mahomes is in the NFL. Uh, Caleb Williams is crushing it. I still think USC is going to win the national championship. I think Caleb Williams is that good that he can carry a team. Um, And I just, I think he's a guy uh, that is good enough and is deserving of winning back-to-back Heismans. So, Jordan, I think you might agree with me on this. I think right now, as it stands, Caleb Williams and Michael Penix Jr. are separating themselves a bit from the rest of the pack. But then you have, I think then Cam Ward is probably, especially with the record, if if, uh, Washington State keeps winning, Cam Ward's probably solid three for now. But then you have a bunch of guys that you can talk about. You talk about Bo Nix. I thought about putting him in that li- in the list uh, for the Heisman. I just think because he's so reliant on those running backs that I I kind of took credit away from him, and I probably shouldn't. And something else I've heard with Bo Nix is, and I'm guilty of this too, is people think too much about the Auburn film. They don't think about the Oregon film, which is unfair, admittedly. Um, yours, I had him on my list last week. I took him off just just be. I hate saying it this just because the touchdowns just aren't there right now. But it feels like those two, even Hartman, even Daniels, it just feels like there's a couple guys for the bottom, but the top two are separating themselves. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that Penix um, and Caleb Williams, Penix, who just got his first uh, to a comparison. I'm going to love to see all the people comparing Penix to Tua. Let's be clear about something. We'll get into our draft stuff later on in the year. But they are not similar quarterbacks, really, whatsoever. But you're going to see Penix compared to Tua simply because they're both lefty. I think that's really, when you really look at their games, I don't think, other than that, there's very much there. Um, And I think that you're going to continue to see that because two lefty quarterbacks really are taking the league by storm. No different than sometimes you see people compare Dylan Gabriel to Tua when, again, they have nothing in common. Um, so it's funny to see Tua start getting quarterbacks compared to him, um, but at the same time, they're not accurate. Um, I think Caleb Williams and Michael Penix are the clear one-two. I think right now you'd be hard dismissed not to put Cam Ward three. And then there's a group of guys, like you said, four or five guys that all deserve to have those last couple spots. I'm kind of curious if there can be any random defensive player that pops up. As I don't think there's any running backs even in the conversation right now, nor will there be any wide receivers. But there's always well, a weird... One of, one of the guys that I thought was going to have a chance was Travis Hunter, um, but he got hurt. I think that that yeah. would have been a guy, a perfect opportunity for a guy to have jumped into the possibility of taking over those quarterbacks. But we have such a quarterback dominant season this year. It's weird because it's not always like this. Right now you have so many good quarterbacks in college football um, that you can't not have five of them there. Right, and it's, we've said before, once we get into the draft stuff later on, it's going to make for a very fun draft conversation. Yeah, a lot of teams are going to take a quarterback. All right, and now we move into NFL picks. Did want to stay with the AFC East theme for most of it, but as you pointed out, we really want to talk about Kansas City Chiefs versus the New York Jets. 
Not really. Nope. And I also said I wanted to do a tank bowl and do the two worst teams we talked about in Chicago and Denver. But funny enough, the other two winless teams, Carolina and Minnesota, are playing. So we're not doing that either. Um, instead, oh, looking this at is news to me. I picked those I th- games. <laughs> oh, I sent you a message earlier. Um, oh, great. This is perfect. We'll do this on the fly. I love this. This is great. Will. Looking at it, it is basically, and it goes along with our game too, it's rivalry week. So the first replacement game is actually going to be the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I actually think it's going to be a fun game. Uh, Detroit honestly should be 3-0. and Ben Johnson, their offensive coordinator, former Miami Dolphin assistant, is probably going to be an NFL coach next year. He had some interviews this year, and he decided he wanted one more year with a young team. Him and Dan Campbell have turned Jared Goff into a tank, from a tank commander into likely getting a, a third contract and another extension with Detroit. It's funny how things like that work. Uh, but with Detroit, I'm very excited about their defense. These, are, these players are all starters on their defense and are all either rookies or second-year players, Jordan. Aiden Hutchinson, Jack Campbell, Malcolm Rodriguez, Kirby Joseph, and Brian Brantz. That's a lot of talent. And I do like what they have on offense with Amon Ross St. Brown and Sam Laporta as well. Um, Packers are 2-1. and one. Everybody's talking about Jordan Love, but this is a stat I saw that today. Uh, 31.5% of Jordan Love's throws this season has been uncatchable. This is from PFF. That's the highest uncatchable rate in the NFL. So he is getting bailed out by talent. I've seen some good things from him. But I just like what Dan Campbell's doing with Detroit. Even though Christian Watson is expected to be back and my fantasy team loves him for that, I think the Lions win by a touchdown. So looking ahead at the Lions schedule, they play the Panthers next week, who they're going to beat. They play the Bucks the week after, who they're going to beat. Uh, then they play a tough game against the Ravens. Then they play the Raiders, who they'll beat. Um, I think the Lions are headed for great things this season. Um, I kind of think that home underdogs fits the Packers really well. Um, the Packers are underdogs at home, and right now 63% of the money in Vegas is on Detroit minus one and a half. Um, that, to me, screams Packers upset. Uh, the Packers are probably going to get Aaron Jones back after missing the last couple games. Um, they're going to focus on that run. They're supposed to get Christian Watson back, who's going to be another added player for Jordan Love to get the ball to. Um, while Reed and while Dobbs both had great starts of the year, I think Watson um, is clearly the number one guy. I think the Packers' defense is very underrated. Um, I think the Packers win by a field goal. It's, it's a tough pick. I, I don't like the defensive coordinator for Packers. He tends to be very hit or miss, but they do have a lot of talent on the defensive end. Um, last thing I will say on this, and you can agree or disagree, Jordan, I still think Jacksonville not taking Aiden Hutchinson first overall last year is a fireball offense. Oh, yeah, that's uh, that's terrible. Um, another rivalry game. We're going to the AFC North, the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns. That from our Discord today I saw that is very interesting. Cleveland's defense has only allowed one touchdown in 39 drives so far this year. So their defense is playing at another level. Miles Garrett is a beast. Probably, tough to say, but he's probably in the top two favorites for defensive player of the year with Micah Parsons. Um, TJ Watt and Nick Bosa are kind of in the conversation too, but I think that's starting to become a two-man race. 
But Grant Delpit is playing at a level that many expected him to be playing at coming out of LSU, and he just hasn't reached it until this year. Sean Watson's been has been inconsistent, and of course you have to replace Nick Chubb. But the Ravens are injured. If you look at the Ravens' injury list, one of my favorite YouTubers is Urinating Tree. He said that's not an injury list. That's a Pro Bowl team. They have so many injuries. Ravens' offense still looks inconsistent. They still don't know. look like they know what they want to do. Browns are the Browns, so they always find a way to lose to Baltimore. I'm actually picking the Browns to win by a field goal. Yeah, this is definitely one of the tougher games, and, and I'm going back and forth. Um, it's such a toss-up, and it's really going to de- depend on the availability of the the Ravens. Um, this is a game that they kind of need. Um, it is early in the season, um, but you don't want to lose two in a row, um, and two in a row to teams you really should beat. Uh, this is a more important game, I think, for the Browns, but I think they could be looking ahead uh, to the 49ers next week. Um, I think it's going to be close. Usually when it comes to picking the Ravens, or against the Ravens, and I think it's going to be a field goal game. I usually tend to go with the Ravens simply because of Justin Tucker. Um, It's very hard for me to bet um, on Deshaun Watson simply because, and and again, I think people really, um, when it comes to Deshaun Watson, the personal side and the on-field side are two very different things, Um, but the the on-field side isn't very good right now. Um, I think the Ravens win by one point. Um, I'm not confident in that. I wouldn't take my advice on that. Um, but I think anytime you can get uh, a team with a better quarterback, the run games even, um, I, I think you can get the better quarterback at an underdog, a better coach at an underdog. I, I think you try it. So I pick the Ravens. Okay. Now on to our third rivalry game. Washington Commanders versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Jordan, Eagles looked like they kind of figured things out on Monday, didn't they? Yeah, they definitely looked like uh, they're becoming the Eagles again. And, uh, of course, anybody who follows the draft said the Eagles got a steal in Jalen Carter. <laughs> Surprise, they got a steal in Jalen Carter. Uh, question yeah. I ha- yeah, the question I have is, will the real Sam Howell please stand up? He's coming off of an Awful game, four interceptions against our beloved opponents, the Buffalo Bills. And even before that, he didn't look good. It's, and it's not like the commies couldn't move the ball against Buffalo. They just kept making mistakes. And the offensive line got destroyed, giving up nine sacks. Eagles defense is coming into shape. You have two very motivated receivers. I think the Eagles win. I think it'll be closer than most people think because it is a rivalry game and Washington always plays the Eagles tough. This is one I think the Eagles are winning 27-24. Yeah, I think that it's interesting when I look at this and one thing I love looking at, obviously, um, is where the money is. And right now, 92% of the money is on Philly minus eight. Um, and when you see something like that, it's <laughs> it's usually a little fishy. Um so something tells me that Washington might have a little bit of a backdoor cover there. Um, but I think we're picking the game straight up. Uh, I think the Eagles win a game or win the game. Uh, I think they control the tempo. I think you're going to see a lot of running of the football in this game. Uh, but I think the Eagles win a close game and a, and a very, very physical, physical football game. 
it's going to be classic AFC North football. It's going to be a bunch of big hits. Could see some things be borderline dirty, honestly. So the first game, and really the only game that is not a rivalry on the pick'em, is the New England Patriots versus the Dallas Cowboys. You would think, if you look at talent, that the Cowboys sh- should win easily, but the big difference between Dallas and New England is coaching. Mike McCarthy is one of those coaches I think has been living off of a reputation for almost 15, 20 years. It's very archaic. I do think Dallas will get out coached. Stat I saw today on t- Twitter per RG3 um, last year with Ezekiel Elliott, Zeke had 12 red zone rushing touchdowns for the Cowboys, and the Cowboys had the number one red zone offense in the NFL. Cowboys are three for 11 for touchdowns this year in the red zone, or in the last two weeks, excuse me, and went one for five against the Cardinals in the red zone. Don't know if it's because they're missing Zeke or if they're or if it's they're missing Kellen Moore. I'm leaning towards Kellen Moore because the Chargers have a top five red zone efficiency this year, so it might be him. Uh, Diggs is injured; he tore his ACL, and that has made a huge difference for the Cowboys because even though he could get beat occasionally, he would give you those interceptions, and you could leave him on an island. The last two weeks, Malik Hooker at safety has been responsible for two huge pass plays that one resulted in a touchdown for Garrett Taylor, one set up a touchdown for the Cardinals. Um, the Pats, we always talk about, they are a 20 to 30 year, year old offense. They do not have explosiveness. Mac Jones, after I praised him last week, didn't look as good against the Jets. He was just kind of there. And coaching does make a difference. That being said, I am still going to pick Dallas to win after I said how much their coach sucks. Only going to be 17 to 14. But big players make big plays, and I think Micah Parsons is going to be the difference for Dallas. But I don't expect Dallas to be happy after this win. Yeah, I don't think Dallas will be happy after this. Um, but I think that even with all of the guys missing that you said, um, I, I still think that Dallas finds a way to win this game. Um, I think it's going to be ugly. I think Zeke's going to score. I think the Patriots are going to give Zeke a, a decent amount of carries in this game. Um, I think it's going to be a fun little story to watch throughout the game. Um, but I think that Dallas wins. I think they win close. Um, but I'm sick of talking about the Patriots, and I'm excited to get to the next one. Um, so I'm going to keep this short and sweet. I think the Cowboys win, uh, like you said, a, a decently low-scoring game. I'll go Cowboys 24-13. So are we just going to agree starting next week, unless we're playing an opponent, if, unless it's a really good game, we're not going to talk about any more AFC East teams for pick-ems? Yeah. I mean, okay. it, it depends who they're playing. Yeah. Um, I'm just the, – the, the teams other than us kind of just suck. Like, wow, yeah. the Jets. Yeah. yeah. Now it's for what everybody's waiting for. It is probably the match of the week. And honestly, I think if they could, this would probably have been flexed. Fortunately, you can't flex until next until week five. But Dolphins versus the Bills, biggest ro- biggest rivalry now in the division, just because of where the teams are. Both teams coming off of big wins. I uh, mentioned it earlier. The Bills are coming off of a nine sack and four interception game, which brings their defensive totals to twelve sacks and seven interceptions for the year. So their their numbers defensively are kind of skewed. If you take out the g- game. 
against Washington. They only have three sacks and three interceptions this year. They also have three forced fumbles. Admittedly, you can talk about our offensive numbers being skewed, but and that's fair. Um, it does look like for the first time in the Josh Allen era, era that the Bills do have a running back in James Cook. He has 267 yards, and he's averaging 6.1 yards a carry. He only has two touchdowns. It does seem like when they get into the red zone, the Bills still are too reliant on Josh Allen with his feet. And much like last year, you're seeing there be some issues. He has four interceptions. Admittedly, three were week one. He also has two fumbles, and he's been sacked five times. When Dable was there as the offensive coordinator, I do not believe he was sacked much. The Dolphins' defense has eight sacks, two interceptions, and three forced fumbles. The only one of those that was really skewed from this past week was the forced fumbles, where Javon Holland had two forced fumbles. So I think the Dolphins' defense is getting has been getting better since a disastrous week one we can agree on. But... I think they're a little closer to being good than what the Bills' defense shows. Not saying the Bills aren't good. They have high-end talent, but they do lack team speed. Something I did see this week, some stats from PFF. Bills, Tredavious White is, excuse me, is one of the best corners in the league. But you look at their number two and three corners, Christian Benford and Taron Johnson. Benford is covered is uh, targeted that targeted this year so far. Jordan, he's given up six passes on nine targets, fifteen point fifteen yards per catch, and a pass rating of ninety nine point three. Johnson has given up six catches on seven targets, lower yards per carry seven point five, but a pass rating of ninety three point five. So the corners are susceptible outside of White. They do have three good safeties, albeit. Two aging ones in Hyde and Poyer. They do have Zach Rapp, who's good. I did look at the injury report. Micah Hyde didn't practice this week or today. Jordan Poyer didn't practice today. So they may both be out. And, of course, Leonard Floyd is was also out of practice. So they have some big injuries. Admittedly, we do have some questionable ones, too, with Connor Williams and Jalen Phillips. I'm expecting them to play. We'll see as we get close to the game. Um, the other thing with the Bills that I'm curious is which Gabe Davis will show up. He had one catch last week. Admittedly, it was a 45-yard touchdown, but he is big play or nothing. Is it going to be? Is he going to show up, or is it going to be the Stephon Diggs show? I keep expecting big things from the tight ends. They aren't getting targeted at all, and Dawson Knox was a big part of that offense last year. I think we're going to spy Josh Allen, and I think he got to live with the big plays. What I think this game comes down to is Vic Fangio versus Ken Dorsey. I respect Ken Dorsey as a coach. I think he's going to be a head coach in the NFL. But the feeling I've gotten last year, and I do get this year, is I feel he's coaching the Bills more for Josh Allen to win MVP than for the Bills to win games. It just feels like they're get it, they're trying to get too fancy. They're it's too much about the big play. And I think that'll bite them. I think we live with the big I think we live with the big plays and I just trust Fangio to make adjustments as we've seen so far this season. We've I talked about the big numbers Buffalo's defense is coming up off of. Sam Howe and Tua are two different players. Not gonna get the same. And as I said, the Bills have a 
rather slow defense. Good defense, but slow. The best way to beat that is get speed and speed and space. Losing this game is not the biggest. It is not a big issue. We're playing with house money. We have we're away to the Bills, so we get them later in the season. We don't have to go to Buffalo in cold weather. I'm not play, being a defeatist. I think Miami wins 34-31. So our our scores are similar. Um, I do agree with what you're saying um, about that we get them at home. Um, the Bills to this point have played Zach Wilson, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Sam Howell. Uh, this is going to be a little bit of a step up for that defense. Um, a defense that, like you said, has a lot of guys that are questionable. And we're not the type of team you want to play when you have a bunch of guys that are questionable. I think something that we said about the Bills the last two weeks is that their 38-10 win against the Raiders, their 37-3 win against the Commanders, were actually both closer um, than those scores might have indicated. And in a crazy way, I think the Dolphins' 70-20 win last week and 24-17 win the week before were almost further away. It's crazy to say that a 50-point win was even more lopsided, but I think that the 50-point win and the 7-point win against New England uh, were both even um, further apart than the score indicated. Uh, I think that this game sets up nicely for the Dolphins. I think the mindset the Dolphins are going to have going into this game is that this is a game they need to leave it all on the line so that they don't have to go back to Buffalo again this season at any point. I think the goal is to not have to go back to Buffalo, and that starts this Sunday. Um, after this Sunday, you win this game. I mean, you are on a crash course. I'm not overlooking the Giants or the Panthers because every game in the NFL is tough but you are on a crash course where that Sunday night game in Philly uh, is going to be a crazy early regular season football game. Uh, It's blasphemy to me that the NFL gave the um, Kansas city, Miami game to Germany. Um, It's crazy to me um, that a game like um, Buffalo late in the season wouldn't get flexed um, to a primetime game. I mean, if they could flex this game, like you said, they probably would. Um, because we're a Dolphins show, uh, because I'm a Dolphins fan, I'm going to pick the Dolphins. Um, I'm going to pick the Dolphins 33 to 23, which I think there are a lot. There's a lot more pressure on me. Uh, what being that I predicted Denver to score 20 points, which they did, and New England to score 17 points, which they did. So I'm hoping that me saying the Bills are going to score 23 points um, is a good omen because I don't think that any team this year is really going to hold us below 24. Um, but I think that the Dolphins win. But I think that if we were to lose the game, um, I, I think that I wouldn't be necessarily surprised because if I weren't a Dolphin fan, this would be the type of game that I would say maybe the Dolphins come back to earth a little bit. Um, maybe the, once the Dolphins get stopped a couple times, how will they react um, to the adversity? But I think this is such a focused football team. Uh, that I can't see this being the point already where they slip up. Um, there aren't many spots on the schedule right now that I look at as very difficult. Um, but so again, I wouldn't be surprised if we took one here. Um, but again, I'll, I'll say Dolphins 33 uh, 23. I was very, very confident in my picks the first three weeks. I'm not overly confident this week. However, I do still believe 
no matter the result of this game, that we're the much better football team. We're the best team in the division. And we might even be the best team in the AFC. I do agree with that. The one thing normally and traditionally that I would have a concern with is our offensive line going against the Bills' defensive line. But every team we've played has a good defensive line and has a good pass rush. And our offensive line has answered the call. One question becomes: How serious is Connor Williams' groin injury? Is he if he misses if he doesn't miss the game, I, it's not a big deal. He is playing at such an elite level that he. I don't care if it's against Ed Oliver. I trust him to play to do well. Question becomes: If he is hurt, how will Liam Eichenberg do as a center? He graded fine pass pass wise, but I think it showed his run blocking was like twenty nine, which isn't so good. So that may be an issue. Um, defensively, it's like like said, you, you have to live with the big play. I feel I feel like we're going to have X shadowing Diggs. So there's going to be some wins Diggs' way. There's going to be wins X's way. I watch us end up putting Cater on Cater on uh, Diggs just to show that I'm wrong. But I'm not worried about that. It just I think it just comes down to Josh Allen making plays with his feet. But he's becoming more and more mistake prone. But yeah, if we lose, it's house money. We're still ahead of where the chain, so to speak. So it's a, it's a good position to be in, is what I'm saying. So don't like be mad if we lose. I'm not prepping people for a loss because I do think this is going to be a very good game. Yeah, I think it'll be a good game, um, and I think it's a game that is very winnable for us. Um, but I don't necessarily see us going 17 or no. I don't think. Any football team in the NFL, at least, um, should be looked at as having the ability to go undefeated. But you start looking at our schedule. So I count as games we relatively really should win. New England, uh, the Giants, the Panthers, the Patriots at home, the Raiders, the Jets, the Commanders, the Titans, the Jets. That's nine. We're already 3-0. and That's 12 wins right there. Um, and you have five tough games. Um, I, I, this is going to be one of those tough games. I hope that people don't get overblown if we do lose the game. Um, but I don't think we do lose the game. Like I said, I think we win by 10. Yeah. I wish this was a Sunday night game. I wish this was the Sunday night game. It would be. No, no, no. I don't want to wait around all day Sunday. Um, I'm glad it's at one. I wish it were even earlier. Um, I wish I could just wake up and put the game on. Uh, I'm going to have to go play golf or something. Waiting until one to watch this game is going to be brutal. Uh, who knows? Maybe if we win, I'll find a table to jump through and film it for everybody. Can we not injure ourselves? I'm not. Guys, those of you listening. Um, I, I said I me, not, not you. Brett said that. I did not say I'm jumping through a table. I am not jumping through a table. Brett, if you want to do that, have fun with that. We will consider it, but I haven't made up my mind yet. That would be a Sunday in the moment discussion. I do have an old Brent. ping pong table just sitting in my house that I can use, so I, I am semi-prepared. Brett, what do you like to drink during the games? I usually don't, but I do have some moonshine in my uh, fridge, so I might have to. <laughs> so you went from not drinking to moonshine? Have some. I okay. might have to. So so I'd say the chances of you jumping through a table significantly raise if you start drinking moonshine. If we win, I'll just I'll chug a bunch and then jump through the table. How about that? 
don't promise that, man. I don't Not want you to have to hold this. Up. Okay, you're gonna okay. you're gonna see how you feel if we win. Yes. And but there. if you do it, it better be recorded. If I do it, I will record it. So, Brett, I think it's about that time, huh? Yeah, everybody, it is time to add another person to the list. Jordan, I always say don't say stupid shit. This one isn't just saying stupid shit. When you get caught saying stupid shit, don't double down on saying stupid shit. Don't say stupid shit. Yeah. Last year, I believe, it could have been longer, but Pete Prisco said, Dolphins drafted the wrong quarterback. Well, anybody who is on Dolphins Twitter should know, Dolphins Twitter doesn't forget, and they keep receipts. Ghost of Adam Gase, which is an hilarious Twitter handle if no, one's, if no one follows him, retweeted and basically said, bad take. Pete Prisco doubled down and said, it's only been a couple games and Justin Herbert is better than Tua. Justin Herbert's already on the list. And no disrespect to him. He is a fine quarterback. But people got to stop saying we made a mistake, Jordan. We clearly didn't. We scored 70 points last week. We have the best offense in the NFL. We're rolling. People don't realize we were rolling last year until our season got derailed from injuries. I mean, we're a good football team. People need to get over themselves. We're good. It's okay. Like, there are other things to talk about, and this isn't a surprise. So I forgot who it was that said this week. Uh, if you thought it might have even been one of the Dolphins writers, maybe even Omar Kelly, that said, um, if you thought that the Dolphins had this in them, you're lying to yourself. But I think a lot of us did. A lot of us saw this coming. Maybe not scoring 70, maybe not putting up historic numbers week to week. But but I think a lot of people saw the Dolphins as a very good team. And I'm I'm shocked that there are people here. Um, in the national media that are still trying to downplay that and say that in any way the Dolphins made a poor decision. Yeah, just admit when you made a mistake. It's okay. Just and Pete didn't do that, did he? He did not. Just fill out the apology letter saying I was wrong about Tua and apologize to him. Well, this was almost a twofer day for people joining the list, but that's a teaser. We might have a special guest later to talk about that next one, right, Jordan? Yeah, I think that... Uh, Depending on who says some stupid shit this weekend, I think people are going to enjoy what we do with our next list entry. Absolutely. I have a feeling we're going to have a lot more people by, by the time we record next week. Um, that's about it for today. Jordan, there's some more stuff we could tease, but it's still so early. I don't feel comfortable teasing it yet, so that's just a small teaser I'm giving. Anybody listening? Jordan will back me up on this. Expect some big things real soon from us. Yeah, I think that we're realizing very quickly that uh, what we're doing here is great. Uh, I say every single episode that I appreciate uh, the people that do things behind the scenes and the people that give us support. Um, if you've made it this far, um, if you've listened to every episode, it means you've listened to me talk for four to five hours just on my own, not even including... Uh, what Brett has said, you've listened to us for about 10 hours now. Um, and and I don't take that lightly. So every person that's listened, I appreciate that. I um, mean, the big things we're doing, uh, we're doing only because of the positive feedback we're getting. Um, and only because we see the opportunity um, to potentially grow this thing into something bigger. So I'm excited for what's to come. Uh, and I'm just grateful for all the people that are tuning in and making it this far uh, in the episode. 
Absolutely. And he did make it last night over 400 downloads for the month, which doesn't seem like a big number, but it does mean a lot to me. And I know it means a lot to Jordan. It's honestly more optimistic than I was expecting for this early in the podcast. And, but it is, it is doing very well. And I know we're both looking forward to growing this and making it even bigger. Yeah, this is a lot of fun and, and I'm excited to see where we go. Alrighty. As always, for Jordan, I'm Brett. We are the list. We are watching. Zach, that music. Mm-hmm.